Good day, I'm Barry Green. Thanks for joining me on Conversations on Radio WA, 87.6 FM in East Perth, or Western Tourist Radio in the southwest of Western Australia. Our guest today is a biodynamic farmer and author, among other things. Patrice Newell farms 10,000 acres in the Hunter Valley in New South Wales and has recently written a book titled Who is Looking After the Farm in This Time of Climate Emergency? G'day, Patrice. Hi there. Good to be with you. Yeah, thank you. So Radio WA normally focuses on West Australian conversations, but this subject is also very relevant to Western Australia. So thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, What prompted you to write Who's Looking After the Farm? Okay, so when I started thinking about this book idea, it was three years ago, and in book and also in organic biodynamic farming groups, there used to be a view that it was best not to talk about negative things. It was really good to promote good stories. And this is quite evident, I think, in a lot of uh, agricultural reporting, with the exception of drought or a a chemical contamination story. Most of the stories are about people doing innovative things and having a go, and they're good hearted rural Australian stories. However, this is my fifth book on agriculture and I've been pretty upset the way agriculture had been virtually ignored in the climate change debate on a in the in the top level political sector. So I wanted to be able to bring onto on the farm level conversation about what is going on, some of the actions and what it means in relation to climate change, but also to address some of the very core issues that are at the heart of what's making agriculture a very challenging sector uh, right now. Right, and I can identify with that in another life, I guess I should declare. We've been farming organically on a small scale for some 30 years So Radio WA is a tourist radio format and we see agritourism as having an important part to play in remaking the connection between farmers and eaters. Um, And so I agree absolutely with what you said and and I believe that the the commoditisation of food is part of the problem because once something becomes a commodity, it's all driven by price and not real quality and supermarkets and the ACCC have decided that there should be a down-down on price down-down on price tends to come with a down-down on nutrition, and uh, which is what the scientists are saying. Um, but politicians are a bit funny when it comes to science, so they're a bit picky and choosy about which <laughs> science that they go with. I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're talking... There's more talk now about regenerative farming, and Charles Massey's book called The Reed Warbler is um, making quite a lot of impact, which is fantastic. How do you see the relationship between organic or regenerative farming and organic or, or biodynamic farming? Okay, well, there's a lot of things you bring up there. Firstly, one of the problems I think many people have when they think about agriculture, and this was really brought out, these, I'm talking about non-agriculture people, uh, is when the drought really started getting a, a lot of legs, this, one, this drought that we're in now uh, that's over virtually most of the agricultural sector in the east coast. Uh, the the view, people would come up to me in the city and say, oh, oh my heavens, it's so bad. I saw the pictures 
you know, on the internet, it came in on my news feed. I heard an interview on the radio. What's going to happen to us? We're going to lose. You know, we're going to be have enough food to eat. I've never seen anything so horrendous. And of course, it c- occurred to me that for many people, when we have a drought in Australia, the first thing that people feel is not only sympathy for the farmer, but also a fear that their food supply may be, um, you know, threatened. And of course, this is really, we're nowhere near that ever happening because Australian agriculture is an export industry sector. So it's a $61 billion industry and 70% of that is exported. So when you talk about the commodification of food, you're absolutely right. What our industry is really based on is uh, producing high volume commodities at the cheapest price we can possibly do it. That's what's driven our whole sector. Now, the problem now is that statistic, aren't we clever, we have this big posh $61 billion industry, that's come at a very high price, which is environmental damage. And it's pretty annoying to someone like myself and many of the other people who think of themselves and identify as being an environmentalist and don't see it as a negative word, uh, we're saying, well, if the agriculture sector's done all this environmental damage, why can we sing our praises? Why should we be so proud? Now, this concept of Regen Ag with Charles Massey and a, a group of people, yes, this is, the, this is a word, regenerative, regeneration, farm regeneration, Regen Ag, um, the new lingo for this type of agriculture. This has been developed, and this is the latest name, I'd say almost name change. It's really been evolving for a number of years. Uh, there was natural farming when I got into the game in 33 years ago. Organic, biodynamic was regarded as in to be a farming system that is thinking within a, uh, the framework of nature, farming within uh, individual ecologies. Then, of course, the big word was sustainability, and that really had legs for quite some time. Lots of farming groups became sustainable farming groups. And then lately, it's been regeneration. So there's this evolution. The, the, the core fundamental principles, I'd say, are pretty much the same. And, and at the foundation of it, it is accepting that nature does have its own system and it's up to us as managers of land, uh, whether it be for food or fibre, for bioenergy, whatever, that we take that into consideration. And it's our duty, all of us, to really appreciate the individual, um, unique ecology where we farm. Yep, I, I, I get all that. Now, uh, we, I guess the term organic agriculture sort of had a bit of a hippie connotation. Essentially, as I see it, regenerative agriculture is the same thing without the hippie connotation. They're, they're all about building the organic matter in the soil, yeah, which is putting sure. carbon in the soil. For, for sure. For sure. And it's, it's, a, it's a state of mind. Uh, it's very unfortunate that organic agriculture was regarded as hippie because it's a completely incorrect interpretation of what it was it's only the chemical companies and certain people that might have been threatened by farming without chemicals that might have done that. Because certainly the farmers that I 
engaged with when I first became a full-time farmer, uh, they none of them were hippies. Yeah, <laughs> they were yep. all they were all quite conservative, church-going, concerned farmers. But they had to they had to do things within uh, a more in-tune framework on their land. Yep. So it's encouraging recently the federal government has reappointed Major General Michael Jeffrey, the, the founder of the Soils for Life organisation, as a soil ambassador. As, uh, he was appointed, uh, I think, by the Gillard government and has been reappointed. Uh, does this, this sort of indicate uh, a, a change in, uh, shall we say, environmental literacy of the federal government? <laughs> well, look, I, I I struggle with a lot of environmental stroke agricultural policies that come out of both sides of politics because it first of all agriculture is so diverse it's very hard to satisfy everybody. I was pretty upset. So there's two things here. I'll get back to Michael Jeffrey in a tick. Uh, I was pretty upset last week about the government saying you know billions of dollars drought relief. Um, that's what we need. Uh, well, no, we certainly need, um, I would say, some help if you think our sector might be deserving of it. But our sector needs to take some responsibility, I believe, for environmental damage so that the future of our agriculture needs to be based on uh, improved ecologically sustainable practices. And certainly embedded in that thinking are the principles of regeneration. So having someone like Michael Jeffrey uh, as a soil ambassador, I can only see that as a good thing. I mean, it, it's not very noble of him as a former Governor General to dedicate you know, his, his post-professional duties uh, for the soils of the nation. How utterly wonderful is that? Um, I must say, when I was on a boat up the Amazon with one of America's Top, uh, top soil scientists. There was all this little Twitter amongst us. Oh, isn't it wonderful that he's on board? Yeah. He speaks to Barack Obama about soil. And I, I remember at the time thinking, wow, you know, fancy having a direct line to the President of the United States to talk about soil. So I do hope that Michael Jeffrey has, also has an equivalent direct line to Scott Morrison, because that, I think, needs to be at the core of... Uh, you know, turning soil into something sexy as it should be. Absolutely. And having Michael Jeffries come from a, a military background and recognises uh, national security, and of course there's no point in having a, a state-of-the-art defence force if, we, if if our soils were blown away and we, we can't feed ourselves. And we, we didn't... There, there wasn't dust storms in Australia when Aboriginal people were managing the pace. So, mm. you know, we, we have mismanaged it. We need to recognise that and move on. Well, from a, what you mentioned, yeah, what you mentioned earlier about does Michael Jeffrey's position mean that the that is that proof that the government is suddenly taking soil seriously? Well, I'd I'd have to say maybe bluntly not yet, because if the government did take that really truly deeply seriously, uh, we wouldn't have had the announcement last week in Dubbo that let's make our sixty one billion dollar industry a hundred billion dollars in twenty thirty. Because to get to such a mega number, does that mean just bigger, bigger, bigger of the same system? And most of us in the regen sector do not want that. 
we think it's better to have a smaller, higher quality, you know, posher sector that may be valued at that, but not a repeat and extension of what we have now. Well, that's what I think so profound about Charles Massey's book. He's, he's demonstrating that it's more economically rational to adopt this path. And it, it comes down to economics in the end, uh, it, although it does take a fair while to, to change some people's uh, view of this. Um, I guess we're pretty lucky in Western Australia. Our Minister for Agriculture, Alana McTiernan, has read Charles Massey's book, a call, call of the Reed Warbler, A New Agriculture, A New Earth, and has taken that on board. Um, so that's a positive sign. Um, I sort of uh, I've been involved in media from a technical perspective and and also in regenerative agriculture. And I, I sort of get optimistic that the internet is creating, if you like, almost a regenerative media. So our little radio stations in the southwest, uh, we can tell these stories, uh, and uh, and you can, we can tell your story, you can tell our story, and and I sort of sense that it, it's creating a similar situation. So regenerative agriculture is about working with nature and creating an upward spiral. Uh, having worked in commercial media, it seems to be spiralling downwards. I think the internet's providing an opportunity for a, a sort of a grassroots bottom-up change, which gives me some optimism for the future. Well, I, I do hope you're right, because it's clear that we haven't had it, any, any indication in the past of the scope that is required from the top coming down. So I hope you're right. And and for anybody listening, you see, having conversations is on the ground, on the farm, with producers, with eaters, is really the name of the game. Because no one knows everything. And we every time we have a good conversation with anybody, it's, it's enlightening and can only be better for the sector right across the board. So... I say to everybody, if ever I speak about agriculture, say, what can I do? And I say, well, you know, have a deep and meaningful conversation with anybody who's trading food. And of course, the best thing is become best friends with a farmer. You know, find one. I love it. Make I love them, it. Make them your best friends. That's what that's what Western Tourist Radio Radio WA is about. Agri tourism uh, generates some communication between the city and the bush. We've also got agritourismwa.com.au I'm talking to Patrice Newell, the author of Who is Minding the Farm in this Climate Emergency? Patrice, in your book you compare the debate about the end of chemicals in agriculture to the fight about the end of slavery in the south of the United States of America. I likened it to the claim, you know, oh, cotton you know, will never be the, the agricultural epicenter at the south of America if we get rid of slaves. Our industry is completely dependent on slave labour. Well, of course, you know, we've come a long way since such an idea would even be mouthed by anybody because it's not okay anymore to have slave labour to get your to produce your cheap product. So that's the first great thing. But but we've replaced uh, slave labour in the agricultural sector right across the world with chemicals. Chemicals are the new slaves, and the farmers have taken it on board. We have most agriculture in Australia is a chemical-based agriculture. And the large environmentally confronting bad practices where monocultures, reduction in biodiversity, um, soil structure damage, etc., 
would not have been possible without the introduction of chemicals. So reducing our chemical load, moving away from that as a system, is absolutely essential. And just as America still has an agricultural sector post-slavery, we too will have an agricultural sector post-chemical. Absolutely. And you talk about the the, the commoditisation of food and, and the, the high production, but, but the, the horticultural and uh, orchard industry tends to do it tough because it's more labour-intensive. But arguably, they're the products that we need to be eating more of. So while we might be exporting grains and meat, um, where we go in the future with um, horticultural industries uh, is a bit of a different question. Well, for sure. And certainly right across Victoria, I'm sure you've had it, the discussion over your way, although I'm not familiar with it, but it's pretty much a standard discussion. Once you establish towns and towns grow or cities grow, you're often expanding the urban development on what is good agricultural land. And we've seen a huge amount of it, basically just suburbs being built over our most productive land. This is a problem in Paris, Um, all these areas where they're doing urban redevelopment. They're trying to bring back small, even what they're calling pop-up farms to make sure that the fresh food that we all know is what we all should be eating doesn't have the food miles associated with it. At the moment, of course, the supermarkets, they have one or two producers of various vegetables and they do huge food miles to get to us in the suburbs. So the the system of being able to um, grow close to where we live, the, the plants that we should be eating more of, all statistics in Australia show that we do not eat enough fruit and veg. But we need to make fruit and veg available. We need to have more apple trees, orange trees and all the other delicious fruits and beautiful rows of vegetables close at hand so people can be inspired by, I say, not only the eating, but also the visual appeal of seeing them grown. You know, you've only got to go into a fabulous vegetable garden that someone has and you just go, wow. And I... I, I Everybody loves a good veg, veggie garden or a love little domestic orchard even. So when you've got these sorts of farms closer to where people are, it's only better for everybody, the health, the access and the nutrition of the nation because agriculture and the health sector should be closer. They should be absolute buddies. Unfortunately, they're not. I couldn't agree more and... Uh... I think we need to invest more in food so that we have to invest less in the medical system. There's, yes. a, there's a whole new, there's a whole other subject area there, but it would take longer than we have today, I'm afraid, <laughs> Patrice. But thanks so much for your time this morning and the conversation. And uh, I'm, I look forward to having other conversations with you and I look forward to using our, our little medium and, uh, and using tourism to... to talk to, to, to the wider population and encourage people from the cities back onto the farms to have a conversation. Good idea, Barry. I look forward to tuning in to your radio station when next in WA. Or you can listen online. This conversation will be played on Radio WA in East Perth and also with other conversations with innovative West Australians via touristradio.com.au slash conversations as we tell the stories of people and places in Western Australia. Terrific. Thanks, Patrice. Okay, all the best. I've been talking to Patrice Newell.
author of Who's Minding the Farm in This Climate Emergency.